and thank you again for being here. Thank you for watching um, on live stream or later this week, maybe, if you are watching then. Um, we stepped out of a series out of the book of Acts a few weeks ago. Um, we're going to be going back into that, but where we left off was a call from heaven that called the followers of Jesus, the apostles, the, the Christians that were learning to um, live with the Holy Spirit inside of them. They were all charged with the same thing. They said, to go and preach about this life. Um, and that life was, is the life that we find in Jesus. It's the gospel. Um, it's salvation in him. Um, it's, it's peace in our soul. Just as we just sang, there's, there's so many things um, that that life represents. Um, and, and even as we sang the song that we just sang, um, I think there's a little bit of a unique pursuit that we have as believers and maybe um, if we make sure that it's the absolute most correct pursuit, uh, then we'll be even um, healthier believers in Jesus and followers of him. Um, and, and I want to talk about maybe a little bit about that today. Um, last week, we were in this series, kind of this, this pause here is really a celebration heading into Easter about new life, um, the life that we can find in Jesus. The, the aspect of life that we talked about last week was breath. Um, if, if, and Unless you really struggle in biology, you, you've pretty much locked into as long as we are breathing in and breathing out, um, we are living. Um, we looked at what the breath of God could do last week. We looked at it um, in the Valley of Dry Bones with Ezekiel. Um, and and if, in case you missed it, I want to just kind of briefly just mention a few of the takeaways. And if any of these really sparked your interest and you didn't hear last week's message, I would really encourage you because the, the way the Word of God speaks um, out of the life of Ezekiel and in this, um, in this passage, I believe, is really powerful. Um, last week, we, we had several takeaways. One was that God does speak in valley moments. Um, we used an illustra I used an illustration about how um, our minds can trick us and, and want to push us down the road of, we don't see God or there's no visible evidence of him, but really the, the key is in, is, is in the listening and in the hearing him, um, even when we don't immediately see him. Um, we talked about how disconnection, when we, the image of those bones, disconnected without um, the vital connections of life, that, that really is the picture of death. Um, as believers, if we live disconnected from other believers, if we, if we just really try to work through life on our own, um, that disconnect can really breed in some, some very death-like Thoughts, um, mental images, um, feelings, that kind of thing. We have to really be aware of that. So connection is the key. Um, but when connection happens, when, when we start to see God doing something, if you remember, um, the, those bones began to come together. There were ligaments, there were muscles, there was skin. There was some order to what they saw. There was some serious order to what they saw. But we can't be fooled by things starting just to look better or seem better. We have to really continue in our walk with Jesus to say, okay, God, really, where's the full extent of all that you can do, where you're taking me, where you're leading me? And that's when we heard God say, hey, don't, don't stop now. Prophesy about the breath. Prophesy about what I'm going to breathe into these bones. We looked at how then true life comes um, from God, and it is found in Jesus. Um, and and th they're still in there. As we're, we're realists. There's um, the life that we live in Christ has obstacles, has some frustrations to it. We, we brought one of those up, which is oftentimes we are frustrated not in um, will God or can God, but when will he? Um, when are things going to happen? We looked at how that can really come up in our lives and, and how that is in itself one of those opportunities for us to really step into um, a, greater, a greater ground of faith um, and, and really walk close with him. Um, there's a phrase that I read 
um, in preparation for this message, and, and I want to just read it to you. It comes out of Colossians 3. That's where we're going to um, mainly be this morning. Colossians 3, there's, there's a portion of a verse um, that says this, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. Um, and, and when we read that kind of phrase, many of us, are, our attention sparks because we, we have these moments where, uh, and, and I, I mean, just kind of self-confession, um, even as we sang that last song, It Is Well With My Soul, um, if, I, if I was just going to be very upfront with you, over the past couple weeks, um, I, I would struggle at several moments to say it would just felt well in my soul. Um, there, there have been some things that have really been difficult and really been weighing heavy over the last few weeks. Um, and, and for many of us, we hit that moment where we, we have a difficulty saying it is well in my soul. So when we see a verse like this, it's, we, we start to think, okay, it's, it's this peace maybe that I haven't quite received yet, or it's a peace that I'm just not quite, not quite there with yet or I'm waiting on. And, and I think therein is, um, is a little bit of the danger of misunderstanding this particular phrase because when it says, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, it doesn't say let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. In other words, it's, it's not a peace that comes in that says, hey, okay, I'm, I'm taking over. Um, I'm just going to settle some things down. Everybody's going to calm down. This is going to settle. This is going to settle. This is going to settle. This, this specific phrase talks about how there's a specific peace that we find in Jesus, and it needs to, it really needs to, and it, and it takes us allowing it to, to rule and really have reign in our hearts because anytime, anytime someone um, exercises rule, that, that means that there's some opposition. Does that make sense? Uh, no one has to enforce the rules when the rules aren't being broken. When there's not a little bit of resistance there. So if, if you just, I mean, it, I mean, think about raising kids. Think about working with coworkers or, or working with people that work under you at work. I mean, it, there's moments where you have to come in and, and there's got to be a, a rule aspect to some authority you carry because there's, there's some resistance there. And, and our souls, our hearts, our minds many times resist what God is trying to tell us, it, resist um, really living faithfully for him because our flesh desires certain things. So this week I want to talk about this, this, this next little portion of some aspects of life. So this week we're going to touch on, uh, on three different things. One, our hearts, because that's not just the way we feel. It's, it's, it's really the seat of our beliefs, but it's also where our decisions really anchor into. So that's going to really connect us in not just hearts, but really heart and mind. But then also, we're, we're also going to step into an, an, an aspect of life that's, that, that's, that's not removable. It doesn't need to be removed, and that's, to some extent, relationships. Um, and, and the truth that we're going to talk about today is good for really any kind of relationship. It, it's, it's good for any of them. So we're going to be in, in Colossians chapter 3. And originally, when I looked at this passage, and, and I really was drawn in, because when, when I was seeking, when I was seeking, and I found that phrase, over the last couple of weeks, at first I was like, yep, that's, that's it. But then I, I was reminded, I know enough to say, okay, it's, it's too dangerous just to take one phrase. So I had to really just look at it and go, okay, well, that might not be saying what I want it to say. So go broader. And broader for Colossians 3 in this section is really 12 through 17. But then the problem was at 12, it starts with the word therefore. So then you got to go back a little bit before that to make sure that you know 
what are we what are we what are we reacting to? What are we deciding something off of? Um, so just briefly, um, if, if you if you take time, and I would encourage you to take time this week to read through the first part of Colossians three. Um, it, it really begins this idea of um, I guess probably the closest thing we have as a tangible. Um, really illustration of this. Last week I used a couple of illustrations I had on, you know, up here with me. Um, but but this one I'm I'm not gonna I'm, I'm not gonna try to pull this one off. Um, caterpillars and butterflies. I, I don't. My ADHD. If I had a butterfly up here, it would be it would be done. Y'all would be here for hours, and I would just still be chasing it. Okay. Um, but but if you if you know anything about metamorphosis, um, when a caterpillar goes to become a butterfly, that caterpillar has to completely break down. Um, and, and, and is almost completely dissolved down to somewhat of like a liquid-type substance because, in essence, that caterpillar, in its existence, as it's known, has to die for the butterfly to be able to live. And, and we can see that, and I believe, you know, again, there's so many things in nature that God has put in to this grand design that he's created to help us also to receive and understand spiritual truths, we can understand that, yes, this butterfly that we see is beautiful, and, and they're going to be coming out more and more as the months progress, but, but that isn't just beautiful on its own. It was the result of a very traumatic process. It was the result of a death and a reformation and, a, and really a, a renewal of life. Life didn't totally end as it was breathing and living and, and cells were moving, but it was really a renewal of life, a new purpose, a new design. And that's what this passage really sounds like. Um, in verse 5, it says for us to become this new person in Christ that we have to put some things to death. Now, um, I, I don't know what shape your yard is in right now. It's springtime and everybody's really you know, starting to get everything looking great. Um, I, I live at the end of a dead-end street, and one of the benefits of being at the end of a dead-end street, if your yard doesn't look great, there's only like four people to see it. I mean, really and truly. I mean, they, you know, and, and the key is invite people over at night, right? I mean, invite people over at night. I mean, that's, that's, all yards look better uh, in the dark. Um, don't angle your lights to where people can see your grass. I mean, it's, it's you know, I mean, onions are green, right? I mean, that's, I mean that is, that is part, of, part of what we're seeing in spring. But I, I realize in... And some of the things that I need to do around my house and some of the areas that I want to have some of the grass and stuff come back and, and grow new, I, I, I'm going to have to not just plant something new, but I'm going to have to kill some things so that newness can really take over. And these are, this is the kind of language that God writes to us in out of his word through his servant Paul. And it says to put to death. Now he lists a long list of sin. Now we could divide these sins up and we could all claim the ones that we are struggling with currently, but that probably would make for a little bit of an awkward Sunday morning. So we're just going to know that there's a whole lot of sins um, here in the Bible. Now, um, I, don't, I don't say that to, to step over sin. Um, and, and I really want to be clear, whether you're watching on video or you're here, um, sin is a, is a serious thing. Um, and, and we don't want to casually step over categorically the things that God says that he's displeased with. We have to know what those things are. Um, because if we don't know what he is displeased with, we won't know how to, if we follow Jesus, really how to feel about them, how to think about them, how to avoid them. So in this, we don't just have the things that are, um, that, that are selfish. We have the things that are sexually impure. We have the things um, that are divisive between people, the things that remove our heart from others, but also remove our heart and our life from the Lord. 
And this passage is worth a read. It's worth us really looking at it, um, especially if you have time and you can go through that this week. Um, I want to I go to step into verse 10. Um, and, and this is when we, we begin to hear the language about the new self. Um, and have put on the new self, you are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. When we really are, are looking to walk faithfully with Jesus, um, this statement really, really ought to help us because we have in it two different things. Number one, we have the object of our growth and also the measure of our growth. Um, the Bible refers to Jesus as both. It says that Jesus is the very image of God in the flesh. So we have a life that we can look at and we can set as a goal. We're also written to in the New Testament that says that we're supposed to mature into the full measure of Jesus. So consider this. Um, con consider the dimensions of Jesus' life. How far did he go, many times out of his way, for people, for specific conversations and for specific relationships? What is the depth of his sacrifice for those that he loved so much? How high... How high was he willing to take his followers, regardless of their faults, to help them grow to a place to where they could be seen as the image of Jesus in a lost and dying world? There, there's some dimensions, some measurements of Jesus. So in Christ, we can say, that is who I'm, I'm aiming my life at. That's who I'm looking to. But also, I can use, use him as a comparison. Have, have I walked in those same footsteps? Have I given that kind of measure? Or what is it going to take next for me to begin giving in that kind of measure of my life to him? Verse 11 says, In Christ there is not Greek and Jew, um, circumcision and uncircumcision, um, barbarian or Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Now this particular verse is written to Individual believers, but it's also written in, a, in the concept of helping believers understand the unity they have. Now, there's, this, there's three words in that that are so critical for us. Christ is all. Christ is all. Now, how do we really begin to wrestle with that? Because that, that's one of those all-in statements. Now, I can look at my life and I can, I can look for evidence um, in, in the way that I spent my time this past week. What, what is the evidence in that? that Christ is all? Um, were, were my conversations at all driven towards him? Were, were in any way they were about really loving, caring, and reaching and, and being a part of the lives of other people towards a gospel purpose? Um, was the time that I was alone, did it reflect Jesus in my choices? And would I put my eyes on? There's so many ways that we can look at that and say, okay, is, is Christ all? Is he everything? Because... If Christ isn't all, then there's always going to be an element of me woven into my life in which, and, 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 and if that becomes part of all, then my decisions are going to be kind of a, a, a morph of a little bit of Jesus and maybe a lot of Derek. And, and, and that doesn't tend to pan out real well. It may look good on the outside, but, but it, doesn't, it doesn't flesh out real well on the inside. So when we really look at Jesus is all, what does this begin to let us do? Well, first of all, there's some things that Jesus is all. It allows us to put down, put away, set aside. The very first thing that we see is sin. It's sin. Um, in this passage, when it lists all those things, 
if Jesus is all, there is no sin that cannot be defeated and put to death in our life. Now, for someone who becomes aware of a sinful struggle in their life, for that person, it can seem like, I don't know that I can really overcome this. Because Satan wants to get us to believe in this idea that we're a defeated person. We're a defeated people. For someone who says, you know what, I, I'm, I'm under control, well, that person's really saying that, that, the, the, that they are all, because they're the ones that are ultimately in control of everything. Well, if, if they are all for themselves, then, then really they're going to look at their sin and go, it's, it's not that big of a deal, and, 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 it, and it's, it's, it's manageable. Well, it, it doesn't take long to just say, okay, let, let's follow those lines of logic. D- is that going to allow us to end up in a place really faithfully living for Jesus and really really with the right kind of mind and heart that we're called to have? I would say no. Because it, it's a very simple concept. It, the, the gospel says that, that sin is intolerable to God. It's going to be a separator between us and God. It's, it's, it's many times where I have to remind myself just as a habit, when even when I talk to my own kids about things that they've done that I have to talk to them in the same way I have to talk to myself about not just apologizing to someone else because that in some ways is really easy compared to really apologizing sincerely to God because that's really who sin is, is, is mainly against. So when Christ is all, when Jesus is all, we can put away sin. We can also put away differences. Um, notice in verse 11, what does it say? Um, in Christ... There is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision. Uh, the, the first one was about um, nationality. It was about the, the lineage of where you came from. The next one was about more of a cultural symbol. The last one was really about people looking at barbarians and these Scythians as, as these are people that are, are really different than me. So we, when we say put aside differences, it's not just in skin color, it's not just in culture, it's in all of it. The gospel of Jesus Christ really brings everybody into one of two groups, saved or lost. Saved or lost. And we can set aside all the things that, that, that are the things that we are convinced or see or, or, or think maybe that are differences. Why is that such a good thing to put away? Because if everybody, if everybody exists in the category of either saved or lost, it means that if they're lost, I need to be part of pursuing them. If they're saved, I need to be a part of them growing and being supported and cared for in their life. It gives us healthy goals for everybody that we interact with. And therein, we're already seeing where it goes into heart, mind, and relationship in this passage. Now, um, when, when it talks, we're getting ready to get into this part here about this peace. Um, so here, here in verse 12, it says, therefore, so, so because, because Christ is all, and hopefully he's all in all, in other words, there are some specific relationships it's getting ready to talk about, um, especially believer to believer, Christian to Christian. For, for that reason, if Christ is all, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, which is also meekness, and patience. Now, I do want to say this. Um, it, it calls us, as a general label, God's chosen ones. Those are, those are, that's everyone that is saved who belongs to God through Jesus Christ. Out of that general title, it says two things, and I think it's so important for us to make sure that we know 
how intentional God is when he speaks to us. It says that it recognizes us as, as holy and dearly loved. It is very easy as a believer, think about this for a second with me, it's very easy as a believer to fall in love with this idea that I'm dearly loved. And, and really kind of in this mindset of, set of even prayer and worship of just, I, I, God, I am in love with just how much you love me. And it's, it's almost, if it, we're not careful, it can kind of create this thing in us where we say, God, that, that's just, regardless of what I'm doing and what I'm going to continue to do, like, God, I'm just, I'm just loved by you. And, and we can say it so much that it, that it kind of can start to calm maybe that righteous repentance that's really awoken inside of us. Because we are dearly loved. That's not taken away from us as a believer ever. But, it, but it, there's, a, there's a healthy coexistence of being dearly loved by God. But also this responsibility, as, as, as we're called to in the Bible, be holy because he is holy. To really live a life that he's calling us to live. Because, I mean, is, is that not the greatest appreciation that we can show because of how dearly loved we really sincerely are? So it's the balance. What does it mean to be God's chosen ones? Both, both. A life in pursuit of him, live well for him, but also really resting in the great love that he has for us. We're supposed to put on these things, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Why is it so important? Remember, now we're in this renewal stage. We're in this renewal stage of life. Why is it so important that we start with these things? I think the best way I can explain the importance of this is, is to read the next verse to you. Verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against another, justice of the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Why do we need compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience? Because we are called to do two significant things that will be difficult if those as a set, as a whole, are not part of our lives. And that's to bear with one another, to put up with one another, to coexist, to live together, together, and to be able to forgive. For me, this is seen really clearly, not when I have time to collect myself, to be ready for an interaction, for a conversation, days to prepare, to read, to study, to have notes, to, to, to really pray over someone. Th to, for me, this comes out the most, um, the most vivid in my reactions. I don't know about you. Maybe you handle everything really well on the spot. Um, I, I live with one of those people. It's annoying, so annoying, when someone just clearly reacts better than you in all situations, is it not? If you have that person in your life, like, I mean, you love them, you got to love them, um, you, you need them. Uh, if nothing else, you know, they won't lose it when they have to bail you out of jail one day. But, I mean, it, it's like when... If you ever have struggled with your reactions, and maybe it's not the reactions that make it all the way to your lips, from, from my heart to my mouth, it is like the Autobahn. It is fast and furious. For some of you, it's like this slow, winding country road. You're going to get there when you get there. For me, it's like it's, it's half a second, right? If you can think of situations, like I can think of situations recently 
where my first reaction, the tone of my words, because remember, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not a biblical thing. It's just a wisdom thing. Uh, communication, if you think of it as a, 100%, only 7% really is our words. 38% is our tone. 65% is our nonverbal. Right? So there, there's all of that that goes on. That's a consistent study. Year after year, that's consistently proven in psychological studies. So when we think about communication, if, if I think about what, when, when I struggled in my reactions to dealing with somebody, just putting up with something, bearing something, working through a situation, it can be insignificant. Somewhere in there I have lacked either compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, or patience, or all of them. Or all of them. Because we'll also need those to forgive. Forgiveness is typically something that we, we, we get a little bit more time with forgiveness. There's some time where we're thinking over what's happened, um, what that person is going to, and what, how is that person going to respond. But if we're going to forgive like Jesus forgave, like the kind of forgiveness that we received, and, and, and here's the thing, I think this is a phenomenal really mind-opening thing when it comes to life, this new life that we're living. What kind of forgiveness can we really, in a healthy way, expect to need to be able to work out and flesh out in our life? If it's the kind that Jesus offered, here's the scary thing. It was forgiveness that was not deserved. So the majority of the forgiveness that, that, that I can really, and I'm not saying this, to, like, please don't take this, oh, great, like all the forgiveness I'm going to have to, I mean, really, who deserves forgiveness? I mean, can you ever really truly make up for something that's wrong? Can you change the past? No. So if, I, in, my, if in my mind I start to really fall in love with, again, if Jesus is all, then, then the kind of forgiveness that I've experienced from him is the kind that really dwells in me, then that starts to kind of, in a more healthy way, pace me for what kind of forgiveness might I need to be able to offer. And it says, above all, put on love which is the perfect bond of unity. Um, number one, out of love, God has done everything. Um, and ultimately, it's not just how important love is, how big of a deal love is, um, but it, it is the one thing that is the key. It, it wraps up all of what we just talked about um, to be able to keep us unified as believers together. Um, love in this sense, if you notice, is most clearly seen and experienced in a group, right? Like love isn't best seen and experienced when you just have love in your heart thinking of someone. It's really best lived out. I want to I read a quote to you that I, I pulled from some of my notes. Um, well, actually, let me hold that off because that dives into one of the next things we're going to talk about too because it really, love and wisdom share that, that characteristic, that similarity. Um, and here's verse 15, and, and here's where we get to jump into that statement that I opened with. You ready for this one? Um, and let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Now, again, I want to I touch back on this thing of resistance. Um, it, here's why we know that, that the peace of Jesus is going to have to have some control. We're going to have to let it have some control in our, in our hearts. In other words, the peace of Jesus is simply knowing that what he's called us to do is right. Because I don't know if you've ever figured this out. This is what I have for me. Um, oftentimes, I have had peace about something I should have never had peace about. There's been times when I've done something or I've reacted a certain way. And, and Wendy has asked me, 
Now, do you feel good about that? Yep. Yeah. Really did. Absolutely. Felt wonderful. Uh, before it, I, I was excited. During it, I loved it. And after it, I just, it, it was wonderful. It felt like the sun came out. Yes, I did. I felt, I, I felt peace about stuff that I, that, that I shouldn't. And that's kind of that lure of, that lure of sin. But also, there's times where we don't feel peace about something we, we really know we should. I mean, think about um, if you're in a situation and you really know, like, and it just becomes aware to you, okay, because of the person that's standing in front of me, this conversation, the way it's going, or what they've just explained to me, this is one of those, I should really pray with this person. I should really share Christ with them. I, like, that's what I should do. But oftentimes, within us, we're, we're, we're anxious, we're nervous, or we really have reservations, or we just kind of want to, we want somebody else to kind of just swoop in beside us that we didn't even know was there and kind of take over the conversation. We don't feel the peace of that, but it's, it's the peace that should rule. It's the peace and the confidence to know, okay, this is Christ. This is the gospel. This is your moment that I've put you in, and it should, it should rule over this decision of your heart. It, it, it should have that, that influence. And let the peace of Christ to which you were also called in one body rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing. Admonishing here is warning or reprimanding someone firmly. Now that doesn't sound like the kind of conversation that most of us want to have, right? Like that, that doesn't. Notice where this comes in. Teaching and admonishing comes in after, after we're, we're, we're supposed to have already come to the agreement of needing compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We have to really know our culture is to, to deal with each other, to bear with each other, and to forgive each other. That's got to be the culture, the mindset, the, just the, the, the preconceived notions. Now it says, okay... It, 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 and if we really understand that, then wisdom leads us to the place to where we should be doing this for others and also willing to receive it ourselves. Because remember, this is about Christ in all, in me, but, but functionally, in all, is, he, he is all for each of us, so we're working these relationships well too. It says um, that we're supposed to teach and admonish one another through... Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. Now, um, through there, that one word through that CSB uses, um, you, you could also well translate it, um, teaching and admonishing each other, and as you sing all these things. Because when you just read the word through, it almost sounds like we're supposed to live out this like Jesus musical. Um, I don't like musicals. Um, I, don't, I don't enjoy movies where people just burst into song. I think that's just ludicrous. I don't, I don't think anybody should be that happy, sad, or anything. Like, you should just be able to contain that, like, zip that mess up, right? Like, I don't, I don't need that kind of movie in my life. <laughs> this whole idea of as we do these things, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, sing to God with the gratitude of your hearts, what, what, what is this kind of really invoking us? Even though we know music isn't worship only, our life is worship, but it's this attitude of this song of our life, this worship of our heart, the way we live is also so intimately tied into the Jesus that we worship together, that this is in fact a form of worship in the way I respond, in the way I talk, the way I um, see the world that's around me. It says, and whatever you do, do it in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, give thanks to God the Father through him. Now I want to I mention something real quick um, about wisdom, um, because this this passage here talks about that, that ultimately the outcome of these things happening in our life is, is wisdom. 
And, and I'm going to go out on a limb, and, and a pretty safe limb, to say that probably nobody in here really wants to be seen as, as foolish or a fool in life. Um, this is a quote that, that I, I read recently about wisdom, and I want to share this with you. It says this, Wisdom is the insight to see through very difficult, practical issues to a solution that very few can think of. I'll read that one more time. Just make sure we take this in. Wisdom is the insight to see through very difficult, practical issues to a solution that very few can think of. The mature, growing Christian is going to have a different heart and mind in life than others are going to have. It's not necessarily going to be the common conclusion that most would come to, especially in certain issues. I mean, think about it. Um, think, think about the issues relationally that you deal with other people in. When something in their life comes to you and, and you realize, okay, that, that really is not, that's really not lining up with God's word, and, and I really need to talk to you about that, that, that oftentimes isn't a conversation that's real well, it, like that, that conversation isn't really like a, a, a bucket of sunshine because that's, that's tough to bring to somebody's life because teaching and really addressing something firmly needs to be able to assume a lot. And that's why some of the safest relationships in our lives and some of the most intimate relationships really should be with other believers because this passage is, is, is more of a rare conclusion that we come to than just what we're going to find everywhere. These are the relationships that we've got to have. And I want to encourage you, whether you're, especially if you're single um, or you are um, raising kids or whatever it is, um, this is why, especially when it comes to uh, dating and marriage relationships, we need to be so serious about that coming together of two hearts that are believers. Because there's, there's things in life that... If, we pursue, if, if one person pursues Christ and one doesn't, those two people will exist so far apart. And, and the danger that exists in that relationship, I used to use this example so many times and when I did kids ministry and youth ministry. You put one person in a chair, one person on the ground, and, and, you, and you get them to join hands and you say, pull. You know how many times the person that's standing up in the chair pulls the other person up? It just doesn't happen because sin and temptation have a super strong pull, super strong pull. That doesn't mean that we don't associate with non-believers. That doesn't mean that we don't pursue the lost with a passion. But there are certain kinds of relationships that I, I believe wisdom comes to the rare conclusion that it just really is safer for it to be two believers. When it really comes to someone who is there to walk beside you and to give some, some spiritual pull when, when you're not feeling it yourself. What's the safest direction for someone to be pulling you in towards Christ? Especially if that's where their heart's um, already set. Um, I want to read this to you as well. Wisdom is marked by meekness and freedom from selfish ambition and freedom from bitter jealousy and freedom from boasting. In other words, wisdom rises in relationships of meekness and humility 
and love and servanthood rather than jealousy and selfishness. Wisdom is not solitary attainment. It is community or a corporate or relational attainment. Loners are not wise. Wisdom is given and found and forged in the fires of committed relationships. The first phrase that I read to you today was um, that the peace of Christ would rule in your hearts. And we're talking about new life. So today, while we're focusing on heart, then that belief of our heart really controlling the thoughts of our mind and the thoughts of our mind really being the direction of the relationships of our life, it really does center around this idea that Christ is all. Because if, if I'm all, or if I'm half, or 60%, or 40%, then the things that I want to resist will be a harder fight in life. But, but if I'll submit and say, Jesus, okay, this is how you say to do relationships, this is how you say to think of people, regardless of what that person may have done to me or around me, then, then it, it, it has our hearts open to a point that they've maybe never even been before. We have a holiday coming up called Easter. And it is an incredible celebration of life in Jesus. And, and this is one of those times, and, and God has uh, anointed them and allowed them to be part of our even yearly calendars to really focus on the joy of new life in Christ. And there's some things that would that would want to sneak into your mind and my mind that would keep us from really using this as a launching point for us. One, we would say, hey, you know what? Everybody around me, man, they know that I love them. They know that I love you. They know that I'm a Christian. I don't need to go back and just tell them that. We would look and say, you know what? They're busy. I'm busy. Things are chaotic. You know, we don't, we probably, we, we can catch up, you know, later, summertime, something like that when things slow down around the family. There's a lot of things that would keep us from utilizing this season just as an extra springboard to just tell somebody who Jesus is and, and, and who he's been in our life and who he continues to be. But I believe this is the call for us. Regardless of how separate we've been by regulation, this is the time now for us to come to other people as, as believers in Jesus with the gospel not in hand, but in heart and in conversation and in mind so that as we live out everything from now to Easter and after, it, it's, it's one whole gospel message. It's the whole story. It's what he can do in my reactions as much as what he can do just forgiving my past. It's all of it together. And my prayer is, is that maybe today you and I can set aside Set aside this desire just to have peace in my heart, just to have this thing of it's, it's all okay, and really embrace that the peace of Jesus can rule my heart. God, e even if it doesn't seem okay, I can still have conversations that you want me to have. I can still love people the way you want me to love them. I can still share the gospel. I can live the gospel. Even though this, this, this thing or this person, even though it's a continual frustration and I just in my soul am frustrated, I, Lord, can choose... In wisdom, I can come to the conclusion that many wouldn't. Many would go with their feelings. But Lord, I will follow Jesus and I will choose to do this because he rules. Because Jesus is everything to me.
If you would bow your heads for just a second as you're watching at home, if you would just kind of as you bring your mind to just a, a very concentrated and thoughtful place, the, the, this life in Jesus has a, has a beginning like any relationship. And I want to encourage you towards something. If, if, you really, if you really can't mentally trace life to a point to where you, you remember making a commitment to begin a relationship with Jesus. Now, that, that didn't require you to just change everything about you. That didn't require you to be all fixed and clean before you met Jesus. Well, Jesus came to earth. Jesus has set a pattern. God has set a pattern on this planet of, and in life of coming to where we are to redeem us, to get us and bring us to him. The beginning of that relationship really, by, by, by biblical definition, is, is, is really believing in Jesus. Now, to believe in him, that, just, that doesn't mean his existence or just the concept and idea of love. It means that, that God came himself in the form of Jesus to this earth to, to die and pay for sin. And for some, that would seem like a completely foreign and irrational idea. But when we just stop ourselves for a moment and say, do, number one, do I believe that there is a creator God that exists, that, that is holy, that is perfect, because to be that, he must be all of that. Then in believing that in that existence, I can say, okay, well, then, then by your standards, God, what's acceptable and not acceptable? Well, if he's perfect and holy, then anything that's not would be unacceptable. And, and, and then that would draw the, a, a circle around all humanity because we've all sinned. But that God sent Jesus and came as Jesus to die for that sin, to pay that price so that we could know that perfect and holy God in good relationship. That happens through Jesus Christ. It's offered to us by Jesus. It was provided to us by Jesus. And it's kept in Jesus because when we give our hearts to Christ, Christ comes and makes his home in our hearts. And if you believe in Jesus and you are prepared to really confess him, to pray to, to the Lord for salvation, and it can be a simple prayer, as simple as, Lord, I know that you love me and I know, God, that I'm a sinner. Your plan was to have Jesus die for sin, and you did that. And he didn't just die, but he rose again. He came back to life. And, Lord, while I may not be able to understand it, I thank you that he gave his life for me. Lord, I then want to give my life for him. Save me. You can pray that prayer, and if you did, that means that you have begun a relationship with Jesus. You may say, well, how do I know if I need to do that? Consider this. In just the still quietness of your mind, if you sense that there is almost a voice welcoming you and calling you and urging you towards action, towards a commitment, towards a promise, then that is the Lord. And if you're ready to make that commitment, that promise today, we would love to talk to you about it after the service. I'll be up here during this next song. You can find me out of the service. Anyone that's volunteering and just simply let us know that you've made that commitment, that start. Because there's life after that. There's many, many things and that's what we're here to live through together. And that's where we want to get you connected. Not because we want you to fill roles in this church, but we want to know how this church can help fill and, and complement and equip your life. Father God, thank you so much for grace in Jesus. Lord, thank you for the new life that we have in him. God, help us to honor you in all that we do. Lord, help us to really 
consider in a really deep thought, meditative way, Lord, what does it mean for Jesus to be all? So, Lord, if we say that Jesus is all, then, God, I pray that he will reign in this body of Christ in all as we live life together. And, Lord, help us to see that that this life that we're called to live and to preach, Lord, all of this is, is not requirement before salvation. It's what we are able to do in salvation through Jesus. So, God, help us to, to, to know this life and to live this life well. And where we struggle, Lord, help us to be honest about it and and be open for teaching, for correction, for help. Because, God, we need it so desperately. Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand to your feet as we sing? We'll be concluding the service in just a minute. There's opportunities to give as you leave, but there's also opportunities to pray. Whether it's during this song or after our service, we would love to pray with you over whatever's going on in your life.